would you like to welcome each one here this morning? Thank Tara for that. I was thinking that maybe of after reading Acts chapter one, uh, two, verse one, that maybe going back, but um, then I decided not to. So worked out good. I want to go to Acts. Today is the day of Pentecost, and what does that mean to us? Sometimes I don't think we really fully understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we talk about guardian angels and we talk about, like Tara mentioned, illumining the scripture to us. And some of that we kind of just take for granted. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How, and how hear ye every man in our own tongue? wherein we were born. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, Cappadocia, uh, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt and in other parts of Libya, about Serene and the strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meanest this? And of course, then others mocked and said they were full of wine. And then Peter stood up and rebuked them. So in looking at Pentecost, it was a feast day for the Jews, time of celebration. They would have a week of Passover, which we understand. And then there'd be a day uh, set aside for the Feast of the First Fruits. And then they were to count seven Sabbaths. And then you add the day and you have 50 days. And Pentecost means 50. So today would be the 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits, which would have been fulfilled at Christ's resurrection. And so we're grateful to be able to remember that again, of what Christ has done for us. And not only what he did while he was on on this earth, but what he did after he left. And that is to give us the Holy Spirit to dwell with with us. In Acts 2, uh, the second verse says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and... I can imagine, I don't know how many were actually sitting in the room. 
Uh, earlier, we talked about when they chose a disciple, another disciple. They talked about 120. So I don't know if there was just the 12 disciples here or if there was more. But as they were sitting there, a sound of mighty rushing wind. And I can't imagine the sound that would be like. You know, you hear wind. Lots of times you feel it. So you know it's windy. But here they were hearing the wind, but they weren't feeling it. And the spirit is a lot like the wind. You can feel it, but you can't see it. So when the spirit came down, as a wind, I think what he was actually, well, actually, if you look at the word wind, it's uh, no, and it comes from the word uh Numa, which is the spirit. So it kind of interconnects when you talk about the wind and talk about the spirit. It's kind of one in each other. But it's a, it's a mystery. And I think sometimes we, we can feel the wind and we can see the, of what the wind does. We also see what the spirit does in coming into people's lives. You know, you see a changed attitude. You see a changed um, character about that person, a glow on his face or whatever, whatever. You, but so often you see a change. And then also coming down was a cloven tongues, um, verse 3, cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And I was thinking of, you know, if you go to Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, he'd come out of the water. A, a, a symbol like a dove, or a spirit that looked like a dove, rested upon him. And I was thinking, does these things symbolize something? You know, the dove coming down as a peace. Jesus bringing peace through the spirit in, in the world. But then when, at the day of Pentecost, this cloven tongue comes as a fire. And we, if you look into, do a little research on that, you discover that the cloven tongues would be a divided tongue, which was be able to speak different languages. And I know some of you here have a cloven tongue because you can speak different languages, but I struggle with one. And it also comes in the form of a, a fire. And, you know, so often when God was present, there was fire. And I think God, the Spirit coming down, represented that God is with you. He's with the Spirit in this. Fire gives light, and we are to be, and we are to be the light of the world. Fire also spreads, and we are to take the gospel and spread it into all the world. And we also see fire purifies, and we are to purify, to have purified lives. And that is what the Spirit is dwelling within us. So who is this Spirit? Well, we know he's part of the Trinity. But I want to go to John 15. He gives, um, I'll be in John for most of the time, but John is, um, 
very well describes the work of the Spirit. John 15, verse 26. Now, I'm going to jump around. Sometimes I'll be reading a portion, and I'll stop, and then I'll come back and read it later. So you won't have to turn many pages. But we understand that he is part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, John 15, verse 26 says, But when the Comforter is come... He says, I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, and he shall testify of me. And ye shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. So the Spirit that was sent by Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter. He, it comes from the Father. So it comes from God. And so he also says, the Spirit will testify of me. He says, I will send you the Father, the Spirit of truth, which I'll talk about in a little bit, which proceedeth from the Father, and he shall testify of me. So you see the picture here of you have God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. You have God sending his Son to redeem the world. The Son leaves, and then he sends the the Spirit to kind of... Oh, what's a good word? I had it and I left. But it kind of magnifies what Jesus taught here on his earth. Affirms. That's what... uh, The Holy Spirit affirms of what Christ has taught, and Christ confirmed that he came from God and and what he says was from God. So you see the the connection there. If you go to John 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So he says, it's good for, uh, for you. It's not good for me. But Jesus says, it's good for you that I leave. Because when Jesus is here, his ministry was where he was, that's where he reached out to. But when the Holy Spirit came, then he is in the whole world, in people's lives. And the work is far more greater with no limitation than it was when Christ was here. So he said, it's good for us that I leave. And I will, then he, of course, says, I will come again. But I will come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. I want to go to John 14. 16 to 20. I'll start with 15 because that's where the paragraph starts. But if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. 
but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, the Father in me, and I in you. So the Holy Spirit is, has come. He, Jesus prayed that the Father would send it. But he was to be a comforter. And I was kind of thinking, well, what is a comforter? How does that affect my life? To know that I have a, a comforter among, uh, in me. But a comforter is intercessor or a consoler. And Romans explains it so, so well. Romans 8, I want to read there quickly. You don't have to turn to it. But Romans 8.26 is, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, or helpeth our weakness, the things that we struggle with. It says, For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit made intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts, which is God, so God that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. So God knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he, make, um, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit knows our hearts, knows our minds, what we're thinking. And then God knows the Spirit's mind, so he knows where we're at. And I think that's kind of neat how that is. But it's a, it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf to God and how we need that to, in our lives. Then John 14, which I already read, but uh, 17 there, it talks about the Spirit of truth. So not only is he a, a comforter to us, but he is truth. And he represents truth to us. It's kind of what Terrell said. He illuminates the scripture. Well, he illuminates the truth. That's to us. I had already read in John 15, 26, where it talks about the spirit of truth, and then we'll testify of Christ. So what is truth? And that's a, a question we asked back when I was a young boy. What is truth? And so what is truth? It's the Holy Spirit leading us to the scripture which was taught by Christ. Now, um, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I may repeat myself here. But the Holy Spirit wrote the scripture. So we understand that. In Second Peter, we will read that holy men of God were led by the Holy Ghost to, to write the scripture to us. So all scripture was written, was written by God, or written by the Holy, as came from God, which was prompted through the illuminating and the, the speaking and the direction of the Holy Ghost working through 
through men and how he does that today. And I see a lot of times in my life, and maybe I can share in a little bit some things, you know, that he does illuminate as you study in Scripture. But Jesus was sent by God into the world, and he did only what the will of the Father was. And then when Jesus returned to the Father, the Holy Spirit was sent. The Spirit testifies and affirms what Jesus taught while he was here. But I think if you look around us, and that's why I think sometimes we don't fully understand the Holy Spirit, we have a tendency to idolize one or the other. You know, we may idolize, just talk about what Jesus taught, and this is my focus on Jesus, and we don't connect the Holy Ghost as part of that. But also, we idolize the Holy Ghost to a point where he has preeminence over Jesus. And it can't be that way. You know, you can't say, the Holy Spirit led me to do this, if it's against Scripture. You, You can't. You can't do that. Or you can't say, the Holy Spirit told me that I can do this when it violates scripture and also authority that's over you. So sometimes, and it's hard to explain, but sometimes we take our, we mix the leading of the spirit in our lives with our desires And we have a tendency to say, well, this is what I desire. This is good. The Holy Spirit is leading me. And we can't can't do that. But it's hard to separate the two. Because if God would call me into the mission field, I would choose maybe an area where I would feel good about going, that I would like to go to. So I go to it, and I say, the Holy Spirit led me, or Christ led me to this, to go here. But did he? He led you to the mission field, but did he specifically lead you to that area? Because sometimes people go to those areas, and then they they have problems, and uh, it doesn't end well. And I think God calls us all to be missionaries, but where we're at is... Sometimes our desires instead of where the Holy Spirit would lead us if we would allow him to. So I hope you understood that. But I think sometimes, you know, in my preparing a message or something, I'll come across a portion of scripture and I I just can't explain it. It just don't make sense to me. It seems like it shouldn't be there. It doesn't fit in. But when you start thinking about that, and sometimes I've been struggling over it, and I went to bed. And, and anyways, in the morning, I open it back up, and boom, it's there. And it makes sense. And I don't know how it all of a sudden makes sense, but I think it's because the Spirit was working through me, and maybe why I was sleeping, he was working with that thought process in my mind. But that's how he does, and he's quite able to, to do that. 
And that's, and that's the same way with going on the mission field. I think the Holy Spirit will lead somebody into your life or maybe a speaker or something will say, hey, you know, there's a need here. And you say, yeah, I would like to go. And you go. And that's how, again, how the Holy Spirit leads in us. In John 16, I want to go back to that and read a couple more verses. 13 to 15. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, so we, we know that the Spirit of truth has come, it says he will guide you to the truth. So what is truth? It's Christ. It's the word of God. So he's going to guide you to the truth. He will not, again, I want to emphasize, he will not lead you down his path, separate from the scripture. The Holy Spirit will not do that. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. So where does he hear it? From, from God. Just like Christ, hear for the will of God. As the Lord speaks, Jesus spoke. And he will glorify me. No, I'll finish that. What shall he speak? Or, but let me start over. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So you see how the Holy Spirit is working. It's through Christ and God. And it's not of himself, just like Christ was not of himself. He made of himself no reputation, and neither does the Spirit. So you can't, you can't worship the Spirit. Now you say, yeah, you worship God the Father. Yeah, you worship the Spirit. But you can't uh, single-eyes the, the Spirit part and worship that and not worship God the Father, or Jesus Christ. Then John 16, verse 8 to 11. Kind of reading backwards here. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to, the, to my Father and ye shall see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So the Spirit is here to convict people of their sins and of righteousness of God. They, there was a struggle amongst them that God was not, Jesus was not righteous because he hung on a tree and he died. And then judgment, knowing that there's a judgment coming. Now, how does the Holy Spirit prompt people of that? How does he prompt you of your sins? How does he prompt you that Jesus was righteous 
and he's holy, and he, he should be served. And how do we know there's a coming judgment? And I think that's where we come in. That's our responsibility to share the gospel where we're at. We can share the gospel, and we can talk about sin, we can talk about Christ, we can talk about judgment, and then the Holy Spirit can take that and work into the individual. And we don't have to change the people. The Holy Spirit does that, but we need to to share. So how do we receive this Spirit? I want to go to back to Acts chapter 2 and go to verse 38. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? And that's why I think, again, some more confusion. You know, some people feel like you got to be slain. You got to slay yourself, prostrate yourself before the Holy Spirit. But here it says, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And he shall receive, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a repentance and a baptism. And I think it's both. You can't repent and say, well, you're okay without baptism. It goes together. It's a, and, and you would want that. You know, I, I'm told, I repent of my sins. I'm totally sorry and I give my life to Christ. And baptism is a symbol of, of that where I'm willing to totally put my whole body into the water to be, um, they, you go in Israel and there's about everywhere you go, they have baths. It's where people would go in to clean, to cleanse themselves of sin. And that would be our hearts and desire if we accept Christ. But it's a total repentance it's to think differently. It's to acknowledge that we are sinners. It's a totally turning around. It's a totally of, of a different kingdom that we're look, uh, striving after. <clears throat> we change our goals. The whole perspective of life changes. It's a repentance. And then you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that you might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. So it's through faith, and I think that ties together. It's, I, I believe in Christ. I give him my life. I repent of my sins. And I'm baptized in him. And that's why I think you, if you go to Luke chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Ask the Father and he will give you. The, give you. And some people say, just ask. There's more than just asking for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can ask, but it all comes back to repentance and baptizing, which comes part of faith, believing, and also comes through um, asking the Father. 
you know, why would we ask the Father for something and then he would just say, well, I'll give it to you if there's no repentance. And again, repentance has to, uh, has to happen. You know, we can just say, well, I lived a bad life and now I want to do what's right and I want to become part of the church and there's no there's no true repentance there's no weeping there's no crying uh, no grieving for our past sins why I would encourage you to to seek that um as far as how do I know if I'm saved, you know, I don't feel like I should, didn't want to share that. Uh, Dale Eby had seven tests for assurance in First John, if you want to go through that sometimes, and that was a good, good message. But a lot of the assurance that we have is, um, and I, I would say a lot of it is, if you look at them, it's, it's our hearts seeking God. You know, if our hearts isn't seeking God, then I would question the work of the Holy Spirit that's in me. So what about the fruit of the Spirit? I would say that would probably be the key. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I think that's the key to um, whether we have the Spirit dwelling within us. If you go to Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit... So, okay, you have the Spirit living within you. You know, if you can expect that what the fruit of the Spirit, or who the Spirit is, it's going to come out of you. You know, he's not just living within you, and then that's where he stays. But he's going to lead you and prepare you for what he has for you in your life. So part of the, the Spirit being within you is you're going to have love for one another. And you're going to have joy you're going to have peace. You're going to be long-suffering. You're going to have gentleness. Be gentle. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's going to flow out of you. So when you say, well, I don't feel like I have the Spirit within me. Ask a friend. And he'll tell you if you where your heart is he'll he can see if those fruits are coming out and hopefully your friend is honest with you and again that's the prompting of the holy spirit that is dwelling within you so i would encourage you this next week or two weeks to just kind of have that question in your heart. Do you have the Spirit within you? So you say, well, I don't know. Well, there's your start.
Do you have these Sith fruits, this fruit in your life? Maybe just one of them, but hopefully all of them. And then, have you truly repented? Are you truly remorseful for your past sins and are willing to give it to God?